You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in a new series and I hope that uh, you look forward of uh, really what the Lord has uh, prepared for us. I know God has a message for you. We know that we're starting the week, right? And how many of you here are excited for this week? Do you understand? At times there's no reason to be excited, but... We know that God will be with us every step of the way, and that is enough uh, for us to uh, remind ourselves that there is indeed a reason that indeed we have a great, we will have a great week. So uh, the goal is for us to uh, really have a clear picture of why do we have this kind of series. Uh, the title of this series is uh, Selfless, and at the end of this uh, series that we will see marriage and relationships uh, with a missional and uh, really a, a purpose. And a lot of us here, we would want to really enter a relationship because we would want the other party to love us and accept us and, and just enjoy the, the very relationship that you are in. But at the end of the day, God is simply saying, that in order for you to fully appreciate uh, the relationship that you would want to pursue for yourself, you need to understand that there is a reason why you're doing what you're doing. The purpose of every relationship is to think outside of a relationship because when your relationship is just for your own consumption, you begin to be selfish than selfless. And I'm telling you right now, a relationship that thinks outside of that relationship, that you would want to be a blessing to the people around you, that you want your relationship to bless other people, is a relationship that will grow, that will thrive, that will progress. Because at the end of the day, we don't exist just for our own consumption. We exist because we know that everything that we would want to pursue in this life has a reason and a purpose. And I was just reminded for the past few weeks of scanning um, uh, the different internet sites that indeed I was uh, really, uh, in a way, amazed at the story of this man by the name of Arthur Hinckley. Okay, this teenager by the name of uh, Arthur Hinckley lifted a 3,000-pound tractor with his bare hands. He is not a weightlifter, but because his friend Lloyd Batchelder, who was pinned down under a tractor, okay, on a farm, uh, was asking and screaming for help. Arthur somehow lifted the tractor enough for, the, for Lloyd to come out. It was motivated by love, and we can accomplish unbelievable things when we think outside of our lives, when we think outside of ourselves, when we void ourselves of selfishness, that you realize you're capable of doing what you're capable of doing because you're thinking outside of yourself. And there are a lot of reasons why people at times would do things. Even at times, your love is misplaced. It is not centered on God, but centered on the love of your life. There is nothing wrong with that. But that kind of love will not last. And a lot of us here, one way or the other, has been guilty. That out of love, we would want to go out of our way and at times bend certain rules. I don't know if you can relate with me. When I was young and Christmas trees are tall, um, I would really... Um, uh, really at times express a, a lot of, of alibis to my parents in order for me to uh, really um, show my love to a person that I don't think uh, uh, or, or to a person that, that um, I, I, I was infatuated with. But you know that indeed stories like that are really typical that when you're in love you bend certain rules and 
okay, you do things that are not right. And thus, I believe with all my heart that all of us here will be in the same page when it comes to understanding what real love is. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse uh, 1 to 2, it says right here, the title of this chapter is Walk in Love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Short passage, but I believe that we can learn a lot from this because this will be the very reason why we would want to go out of our way, just like Arthur Hinckley, that though it is impossible, we choose to really go outside of the impossible, or should I say, would do what is impossible because the motivation of love is far greater than anything. Can we take this moment right now to bow our heads and close our eyes? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment that indeed you've given us, Lord God, uh, your definition of love. And today we don't want, Lord God, to miss out on the things that you want your people to accomplish. And we want to start right, Lord God, by defining love the way you define it. And today, thank you that each and every person in this room will have a full understanding that indeed love is always in a posture of giving more than uh, what we expect the other party to uh, 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 return or give. We thank you for uh, really your presence and, Lord God, your grace as we listen to your word. I pray that you'll be with us, Lord God, in this um, moment. We give you all the glory for what you've done, Lord God, and what you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Verse 1, therefore be imitators of God. And I find this uh, at times surprising because the word therefore is something that if you're reading your Bible, you need to be very, very conscious of. Okay, say the word therefore. Because therefore is always attached to the what verses before therefore. So this uh, passage in chapter 5 verse 1, it is in fact a summary of chapter 4 verse 1 to 31 or 32. It's written right here, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, therefore. You now have the reason to do what you need to do because God has given you the reason to do, okay, what you need to do. Let me say that once again. There is now a reason to be imitators of God because of what Christ did on the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have the power to do what is right and proper without you first understanding what Christ did for you and me. The passage tells us specifically how we are to put off the old way of life and put on the new man in Christ. Paul summarizes that in order for you to be imitators of God, you need to collide, okay? And understand what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Christ loved us and gave himself for all of us. Now, I was reminded of my, famous, my, my illustration, and I did illustrate this roughly about, I think, a year ago, that God's love for us is like a 10-wheeler truck. When it hits you, you will never be the same again. Therefore, you can now imitate God. Therefore, we can be imitators of God as beloved children. The entire Christian life may be summed up as a life imitating God as beloved children 
as we walk in love. Paul is saying that verse 1 to 2 of chapter 5 is a summary of the previous passage. So in order for you to really comprehend verse 1 to 2 of chapter 5, you have to read chapter 4. This is what Christ did. Therefore, you have now the power to walk in the grace of God. And you have the power to do what is right and proper. And the reason why you can imitate God because of what Christ did on the cross. That's the reason why when you're reading your Bible, every time you hear and see the word therefore, it is a summary of the previous chapter. This is why we have what it takes to be what? To be imitators of God. And the word imitator came from the Greek word memetai, which means you are changed because of your encounter. Not just encounter, but your relational encounter with God. How many of you here, you fell in love once, once in your life, and that's it, you're done? Some of you here, okay, can testify that when you're in love with someone, I'm telling you right now, it's life transforming. In my own words, it is really life-changing. I mean, can you relate with me? Some of you here, you're depressed (laughs) because of what took place a few months ago. Do you understand? But I hope you do understand where I'm coming from. That when you're in love, you can help but be changed by it. I know at times that our love is not the kind of love that the Bible defines. But whether you like it or not, even though it's momentary, partly we're changed. And this is why God is saying, the reason why you can imitate me, and you don't have, in fact, what it takes to imitate God, you're not all-knowing, you're not omnipresent, you're not omniscient. You can't be God. But because a God who's awesome, great, and wonderful, went out of His way to die for our sins for no reason at all, yes, it's His love for us. But I just cannot fathom and understand why would God die for us? Is there anything in it for Him? Nothing. But He opted to do so. And because of what he did, I want to imitate him. How many of you here, you've been starstruck because you happened to encounter a famous individual? You understand? And because of the encounter with that person, I'm telling you, I hope I can imitate this person. Now, some of the basketball players, even if you don't know how to play basketball, every time you make a three-point shot, Steph Curry. Chicken Curry. Mariah Curry. Jim Carrey. You're, you're doing everything because you love the guy. And verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Why would God say, and why would Paul say, that we are beloved children? Because God has already given us a picture that before you have made a decision to be a child of God, He became your father. Come on now. If God wants us, or if He wants to call us as His slaves, He will introduce Himself as a master. If He wants to what communicate a message that you are God's employee, He will introduce Himself as your employer. But God wants you to know that you are my beloved child. I will introduce myself as your father, that though you're a sinner, formerly a sinner, I have made a decision to be your father. Isn't that amazing that God went ahead and went out of his way, went ahead and opted to call himself, I'm a father. In case you want to be back home, you have a father. That my decision of being a father is not when you return home, I will become a father. I am your father. 
His love went ahead before you even made a decision. This is why we're not just His children. We are His beloved children. How do we become His children? Remember, this is chapter 5, verse 1. Did you know the answer to chapter 5, verse 1 is found in chapter 1, verse 5? I believe this is not an accident. It says right here, He predestined us for adoption to Himself, as sons to Jesus Christ. It was Him who handpicked us. Isn't it amazing? What is adoption? Now, I want you right now to imagine with me you are in an orphanage. Do you understand? And some of you probably can relate with me. That a parent goes inside that orphanage and handpick who's the cutest of all. Do you understand? And I feel like if I will put myself in that orphanage, I don't think somebody will adopt me. Based on my hairline, I don't think they will take me in. Don't you ever laugh. My point is, at the end of the day, if we want to compare ourselves to parents who would adopt a child, there is always something that they would base their adoption on. Maputi, matangos ilong, totoy bibo. They would use that as, a, as, a, as their basis. But when it comes to how God adopted us, there is nothing good in you. And because of what sin did to your ugly. Look at the person on your right and tell the person, I'm not. And I want you to respond in Jesus' name, amen. And I realize that in this broken world, and because of what sin did to us, that we're marred, disfigured, and we don't have what it takes to be adopted by God, He opted to adopt us because His adoption was not based on how good you are and how good looking you are. How many of you here honestly, okay, you feel like in your heart, by the grace of God, you think you're cute. Anybody here? I mean, your mom told you you're cute. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. The truth will set you free. Come on now. My point is, I'm telling you right now, I am thankful that God took me in, that He did not wait to see me. Mapakita ka muna. Let me think if I can adopt you. That even before you were living a life of sin. The Romans 5.8 says that while you are living a life of sin, God died for us. He did not wait for you to become good in order for Him to be good. He is good even though you're not good. And when you understand God's goodness, though you're not good, you will be changed. That you can't afford to sin when you understand that God loved you even though you're not good. And because of that, you will be melted by God's love that if you have an opportunity, kung mayroong pagkakataon magbago, napalagahan ang pagmamahal niya, you will do so. That's the reason why some of you here are asking, why are people in this room worshiping God? Because I can't understand, why would God adopt me in His family? Usually, if somebody would take you in, the basis is that He will be an asset to our family. I mean, every time I look at myself in the mirror, I'm always a liability. Sabi ko, talagang mukhang to, talagang buti na lang naging kristyano. And because of God's adoption, it led to transformation. Lord, there is nothing good in me, and you took me in, and because of that, I'm changed. Because our value is not dependent on how good we are and how nice we are, God adopted us because, remember this, the basis of His adoption is what Jesus Christ paid for. 
You know, how, you do, how do you determine value? Value is determined by how much a buyer, a buyer is willing to pay for. He sent his son, sacrificed his son to die for you and me. And the payment is more than enough. That's how valuable you are in the eyes of God. It is death on the cross. Pay the penalty of sin. Can we give him the glory? This is why in John chapter 1 verse 12 to 13, it says right here, But all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God is simply saying, even if you're running away and you choose to repent, it is I who has made the decision to call you forth. Nobody can change my mind. God is simply saying, I have decided long ago never to walk in it. No, no, long ago. That's not in the Bible. In anyone's shadow. No, no, no. God decided long ago. Some of you here are still, amen. I mean, that's not in the Bible. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. God made a decision because of His love for all of us. And that's the reason why our imitation of God will always produce a new life. How many of you here are thankful? There are times you're asking yourself, how is it possible for somebody like me to change? But you're, you're changed. How is it for somebody like me to have new life? But you can see that though you're not perfect, you're progressing. You're becoming new in Christ Jesus. How many of you are thankful? Come on now, can we give God a glory for that? They're in the midst of all the, the, the challenges that come your way. You know that every single day you're changing. And because of what Christ did at the cross, we have now the reason to imitate God that produces new life. Verse 1 of chapter 3 in the book of John, 1 John, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. So we are. I can't even fathom, I can't even imagine that people like us who used to be slaves, who used to be enemies of God, now He calls us in. And that is a product of His mercy and grace. That for God to tell you that you don't deserve my wrath, that is the mercy of God. But for God to adopt you into His family, that's the grace of God. Let me say that once again. For God not to send His wrath, that is His mercy. But to take you in, that's the grace of God. To forgive somebody, that can be merciful. But to adopt the person in your family, that is an unmerited favor. We did enjoy mercy and grace because of this new life. A Christian is one who has God as his father. We've been hearing left and right that a Christian is somebody who follows God. But more than anything else, that God placed you in that pedestal where he introduced himself as a father so that you can become his child. There is no other place I want to be in the family of God. And that has to be a be a child of God. And I've been saying this over and over again. I don't know what's in me that when my kids ask for help, I just can't help but gravitate towards them, run towards them, because that's me being a father. There are times that my kids are stubborn, but how many of you here, fathers, that even your kids are stubborn? You will always deliver breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
You don't tell your kids, bumahaba yung grades mo, wala kang almusal. Nobody will do that. Bumagsak ka sa PE, bahala ka, wala ka pa ng alian. That's not what a father is. Even though we would want to teach our kids, we always take the posture that we would want to be a blessing to them. That's the heart of God. We're imperfect fathers. We have a heavenly father who's perfect. He is always for us. And because of the goodness of God and how he is as a father, you can't help but be changed by it. That's the reason why I can't help. But to walk in his love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us. And the reason why it started with a passage that we are beloved children, because you cannot walk in the love of God without knowing God. It is impossible to imitate somebody in His love without knowing this person. That's the reason why Christianity is not just a what a set of rules that you come to this church, raise your hand, give once in a while, go home, and celebrate hallelujah. That's not what Christianity is. That Sunday gathering is a gathering of people like us who has a relationship with God. So I hope before you come here every Sunday, every time you come here and, and, and you celebrate with us, I hope from, from Monday to Friday, you know and you can tell yourself, Lord, more than me just being moved and being emotional every time that we gather, Lord, I know you. I have a relationship with you. You know if you have a relationship with somebody. You understand? I have this best friend in college. And he was telling me, bragging to our friends that this famous girl in class, beautiful girl, was his girlfriend. Sobra naman to. And he's bragging and telling everybody. And sabi niya, you know what, Ryan? Si ano girlfriend ko na yan? Wag mo lang sabihin, baka mag-break kami. <laughs> That's not what a relationship is. That you're the only one who's familiar that you have a relationship with God. A relationship with God is two-way. That you have a running, thriving relationship with the Lord and you know Him. That's the reason why our imitation of God will not only produce new life, but it will produce new ways. That your identity is changed. That you're secured and, and, and you're stable in Christ. But now you're different. It is Christ's love and forgiveness that gives us this new life that everything that we do is selfless. Though I know it's not easy to be self, uh, self, selfless because your default, your, your, your life is centered on you. That every time you make a decision, you always ask yourself, what can I benefit from this? What can I get out for, of, of, of this endeavor? What's in it for me? What can I get from this? But God is saying that this is why I would want you to have new life in order for you to really understand my ways, my actions, my, my, my nature. That everything that we do right now, it is not just for ourselves. And this is one of the things that I realize in life, that if you don't have Christ, you're selfish. And the more that you're selfish, the more that you are selfish. Haven't you noticed that? That a greedy person is always greedy. And a greedy person will never accept that he's greedy. And a selfish person will never come to a pastor and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm selfish. Others are selfish, but not me. How many of you here, honestly, because we know who we are, how many of you here, once in a while, you're selfish? Once in a while. Tell me not. I don't know. Once a day, you're selfish. All of us, right? We're selfish. Because we're thinking that if I don't do this, I might miss out. I might run out. 
I might not have something for the rainy days. But remember, you're not living life alone. You have a Father in heaven. Why Father? Because we are His beloved children. Amen! It says right here, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now my, 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 my question, and, and I hope that you do understand my line of thought here. If I ask you, do you love God? Yes. Now have you ever asked yourself this question? What, and who gives me the ability to love God? God. Do you understand this? There is nothing in fact that you can be proud of. There's nothing that you can brag. That you came into this gathering, you worship God, and you gave to our tithes, and I'm thankful for that. But who gave you the strength to come here? Who has blessed you with a nice job? It's not perfect. By the end of the day, we can respond in God's love because He has given us the reason to respond in His love. We're not robots where God has instructed us, whether you like it or not, you have to love me, you have to worship me. God gave us convincing proofs why we can love Him. That's the reason why it is important to know God in a personal way. And the more that you know God in a personal way, the more that you're intrigued, and the more that you will tell yourself, I don't really know God. In fact, the more that you know God, the more that you'll come into a place we're in. God, Panginoon, I don't, I don't think I know you. That's the reason why you need to be careful telling people or telling yourself, Alam ko na yan, matagal na akong kristyano. Tingnan mo, mag-worship yan. Magkatahit ng offering. Mag-word yan. Si Pastor Ryan, mag-altar ko yan. I mean, you're familiar with the routines. That's something that you need to, 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 to evade from because I'm telling right now, when you are growing in relationship with somebody, you're, you're excited every single day to look and, 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 and be, be excited of, of what's next for that relationship that you have with that person. So if you're, if you're, if you're bored and tired, being a relationship, you have to ask yourself, what is the reason why we're together? There's a reason why when you are in a relationship, the way to go about relating with a person is how Christ went about relating with you. If you're not growing your relationship with God, I don't think you'll grow in relationship with that person. Am I correct? If you're married, the basis of your relationship with your husband or your spouse or your wife is your relationship with God. I can fix this. There are marriages out there that are doing well without God. Let's, let's wait and see. Because everything in this world is temporary. It will crumble into pieces. Without God, it will fail. Why am I talking in this manner? Because I've counseled people. And I've talked to people. They think money can fix their marriage. I'm telling you right now. They think the, a vacation can, can, can fix their marriage. I don't think so. Because at the end of the day, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, there's no other way but for you to understand and be exposed in God's written word. So if you want to imitate God, there is no other way but to constantly and consistently expose yourself in God's word. God's word reveals 
God's ways. If you want to have new ways, there is no other way but for you to know God's Word. And some of you here, you're, you're, you're familiar that indeed you've been reading the Bible for quite some time and you're not getting anything from it because first and foremost, you're reading it according to your own strength. Remember, you can't understand God's Word without the help of God. And you need to pray. You need to come to God where God will teach you how to read the Word. And some of you here, you're simply saying, you know, I don't have time for the Word. Now I want you to look at me. And I want you to look back 30 days ago or 60 days ago. Are you satisfied with your life now? Because if you're not reading your Bible for the past 60 days and you only read it once a week, and with what you see right now and where you are, I don't think you're satisfied. I don't think you're enjoying your life. Because if you want to alter the course of your life the next 60 days, my advice is just give it a try for once. Read the Bible consistently every single day. Grow in your knowledge of God. I am highly convinced your problem is not finances. It's not your marriage. It is your relationship with God. All of our problems springs from that kind of, from the problem that we have with having God every single day as we wake up and fellowship with Him. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That we are taught to walk in His love. They were taught to walk in His ways. They were taught, uh, uh, were taught to, to, to walk in this new life that He has blessed us with. The next is that our imitation of God produces new love. What is love? Love, as the Bible has clearly defined, is that indeed it springs from love that doesn't have anything okay, attached to it. What do I mean by that? To walk in love, we must understand how Christ went about loving us. We cannot imitate God in loving one another unless we understand God's love for us. The supreme demonstration of God's love was when He gave His own Son to die for all of us on the cross. You're familiar with this passage in 3.16 John. Therefore God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Is there anything for, for, for the Lord? Is there anything that if I give my son, there is something that you will give me in return? And probably somebody told me, you know what, Pastor? You know what God is, from, uh, is asking from me? That after giving his son, I realize how God has loved me so much. Now I'm worshiping God. My worship is for God. But, uh, listen to this. Whether you worship God or not, he will never feel bad. Nothing will change if you worship God or not. Do you understand this? Now, of course, you need to worship God. Why? Because the more you worship God, the more you're exposed to God, the more that you grow in faith. And who will benefit if you grow in faith? God? You. It sounds self-centered, but you'll get the idea once you worship God. Once you worship God, once you, you give into the, the things of God, the more that you are introduced to God, the more that you trust God, and the more that you trust God, the more... that you grow in your understanding of God, the more that you grow in faith. Because if you don't trust God, your default, you will always trust other things. Why do you trust things? Why do you trust your finance? Why do you trust your relationship? Why do you trust your career? Why do you trust your savings? I have nothing against it. 
It's okay to save, but I hope that you trust God. It's okay to have insurances, but I hope you trust God. Not on your insurances. Is this helping you? Because when God sent His Son, His one and only Son, and gave it as a sacrifice, I hope that you do understand that for Jesus to come into this world as a perfect man is not an easy task. To be one of us, I don't think so. But he went out of his way. That act of God first and foremost is costly. One and only son. And he gave it away. Did God change his mind? You don't deserve my son. In the first two minutes, or after five days of making the decision, nagbagong isip. How many of you here, may mga kakilala kayong nagbabago palaging isip? Nagbibigay sa inyo yung gamit, ayoko na. But I'm glad God is not like that. That His love is costly, and His love is committed. Kahit magbago ka pa, kahit ikaw na nag-iisa, I will still go to the cross. That's how committed God is. Amen. Lord, I don't want to go to the Saturday services. I choose to stay at home. God is committed. His love is unconditional. My question with you right now, are we like that? That when we love somebody, it's costly. It's committed. That even though the person cannot return the favor, we still would want to go out of our way to love the person. Because at the end of the day, God is simply saying, you now have the strength. You now have the upper hand. You have the ability to imitate me. Kaya mo tong gawin. Kaya mo nang, nang kaya mo magmahal na walang nothing in return. Okay? There is, there is no strings attached. Na walang kapalit. Walang sukli. I know it's not easy. But the more you understand what Christ did to you, the more that you can perform the act. You cannot do this with your willpower. You cannot promise yourself, I will love this person. I will love my mother-in-law. I mean, that's just a, an example. An example. There is nothing, okay? That I'm trying to insinuate here. It is costly committed. And real love is not only costly committed, but it's consecrating. If death is the highest, the highest price to show you how much I love you, I will take, okay, I will take that path just to show you that my love is not because you're lovable. But I can love because Christ has loved me. It is impossible to show love if you have not experienced Christ's love. You're familiar with this one. You cannot give what you don't have. You have experience and you have to experience Christ's love in order for you to show costly love, committed love, and consecrating love. Because love seeks the highest good of the one you love. That you're not in a relationship because of what you can get. So if you are right now single and you, wanna, you, wanna, you want to marry somebody that you like and you love, yes, there is this attraction. Nobody would want to go out of his way, I want to marry somebody who's really ugly. Nobody would do that. But, but we define beauty according to, not just because of the physical trait, 
I'm attracted to intelligent people. So I was attracted to my wife. Do you understand? You, you gravitate to the people of the same kind. Do you understand? <laughs> that was her intelligent decision of getting me. Oh, I'm kidding. Of having me. Come on now. Sabi ko, sabi ko, honey, ang talino mo talaga. Ang galing ng decision mo, ako. I'm just kidding. But my point is, at the end of the day, nobody would want to marry somebody that you don't like. The reason why you just can't help because you like the person. Remember the day? I've been telling you this. No nakita mo siya. Talagang you can't. You're worshiping God in church. I worship you, my God. I love you. I love, I worship you. I love, I mean, you can't just stop yourself from loving the person. But more than anything else, it's not just your emotions, it's not just what you feel. Are you willing to take the high road that, I'm telling you, there are days that I'm not in love with my spouse, but I'm committed. Why? Because Christ is committed. And because of what Christ did to me, now I can do it. At times, love is costly. Hindi ko naman kasalanan eh. Dapat siya mag-sorry. That's not happening in my marriage. Somebody's marriage. My point is... Yeah. My point is... Remember, we're running away from God. We sin against God. Who went after us? Us or God? I can just... I can't fathom that. It's your sin. It's your fault. You should be asking God for forgiveness. Ikaw dapat lumapit sa Panginoon, di ba? Pero Panginoon lumapit sa'yo. I just can't take it. I just can't understand. And because of what Christ did to me, that though it was my fault, Christ went after me, showed me His love. Now, even though it's not my fault, I mean, I can say sorry. You're saying Sorry. Not because you're wrong and the other part is right or vice versa. You're saying sorry because saying sorry means that Jesus is the Lord of your relationship. Who's the boss? Because when you tie the knot the day that you got married, you're one. So if you're in pain, she's also in pain. When you're saying sorry to her, you're saying sorry to yourself. Because you're committed if you're married. At the end of the day, we're not saying sorry because we're wrong. We're not saying sorry because I'm wrong and the other party is right. We're saying sorry because Jesus, you're the Lord of this relationship. Jesus, the reason why we're together because we want to please you. So if you're single and you want to enter a relationship and your goal is just so that somebody will hug me and love me. You can hug yourself. So bukan mo. Yeah, it's good. Do you understand? Try hugging yourself. It's so good. Oh. You can. But I hope more than just enjoying the relationship is that you know God, the reason why I'm in this relationship is I want to set an example to other people. That if you're in a relationship, that you can wait, that you don't have to indulge in premarital sex. That's the reason. You want to set an example. Because if you're in a relationship and you don't understand 
the design of any relationship, you'll go out there and take advantage of the other person. I know that you're sincere and the other person, person would want to get something from you. And before you know it, you're done. And darating ang araw, ubus kayong dalawa. Because you live for one another. No, you're not living for one another. You're living for the purposes of God. Whether you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you have a friend, you're married, it is always what God wants. There's a reason why we can Im- imitate God and imitate Christ. Selfless love to us when He gave Himself up for us. The only way we can walk in love is to first experience the selfless and sacrificial love of God. A Christ-centered marriage relationship is not the same thing as a fun marriage. When you say a fun marriage, you exist because you're enjoying one another. A relationship is tested when things doesn't go your way. But you remain to be that relationship. Because Jesus Christ did not give up on the cross when he was hanging. Nagbagong isip ko. Wag na lang. Christ did not say that. He came with a fixity of purpose that I will hang on the tree and I will show humanity how much I love them. Ladies and gentlemen, that is selfless. That is never centered on him. And it was never done out of convenience. So I do pray, if you're married or about to enter a relationship or planning to be in a relationship, or you are in a relationship, or it's complicated. <laughs> My advice to all of you is that you can only love if you know God's love. His undying, unconditional, sacrificial love. I'm going to call the music team to join me here in front. Jesus, thank you for this selfless love that you've given us. Today, Lord God, as we journey in the next few weeks, I pray that you'll be with us and you'll help us, Lord God, grow deeper in your love. There are times we define love according to our own terminologies, according to how we think we need to define love. Lord, the exact, concrete definition of love is from your word. And what you did on the cross and thank you, Jesus. Can we just raise our hands across the room? I want you to tell Jesus, thank you for being selfless. That your love knows no bounds. I mean, it's limitless. It's unconditional. It's committed. It's an ending. I want you right now to say, Jesus, allow me to savor your love. Allow me to experience your love. And I want us to just take this moment right now. Just, just raise your hands and I want you to just experience God's affirming love as we worship God.